This is Frank with PD Properties, also licensed real estate agent with uh, Mosaic Brokerage Group. Dave's Head Podcast. Get ready as we'll be discussing real estate. What's up? Good morning, afternoon, or evening, good people, wherever you are, and however we're together, thank you for being here. I'm Dave, and this is Dave's Head. So what's in my head? This past week, or so-ish, because they're still trying to work it out, Congress is working on some new bailout, stimulus, whatever you want to call it. Um... They, it's one of those things that's frustrating, right? So Congress is supposed to be for, of, and by the people, right? You get elected to an office, you're supposed to be doing things to help your constituents, help the people, help this entire country. America first, right? That's what you're supposed to be doing. But why is it so hard for elected officials to just do for the people? And why do people allow their elected officials to waver on doing? I elect you. I elect you for a purpose, to speak for me, to do for me, to do things that help people in my area where we voted for you. Whether it's a a representative for an area, whether it's a state senator, whatever. Democratic, Republican, independent, liberal, whatever. Green party, whatever you are. Why is it that it's so hard for elected officials to do for the people? I don't understand it. But the thing I don't understand even more is why people keep voting for people who have sketchy, incomplete, false records of doing for them. Make it make sense, as people like to say. Make it make sense. Year after year, whether it's senator every six, or I think that's six is the number, or representatives every two, you have enough information to make a judgment call on. You have enough information to decide who to vote for. But yet time after time, a Democrat's in power. Republicans do this. Republicans are in power. Democrats do this. Independents sitting there like, what the fuck? Like, it's it's one of those things that I just can't wrap my head around. How people are so easily influenced or so easily guided, herded. I say sheep all the time. Herded to a repeat representative or repeat senator who just simply doesn't do enough for the people who elect them. Play partisan games, play conservative games, play liberal games, play TV drama. Everything's for the TV, whatever network, news network, news network, because they're not news. Let's let's be real. We're not gonna talk about that, but they're not news. It's partisan information for the people who are feeling that same type of partisan feeling, who support that partisan mindset. MSNBC, liberals, Fox, conservatives. I don't know what Newsmax does. Newsmax is crazy wacko. I don't know. Whatever. CNN, I I can't tell from year to year. They're more liberal leaning, but I don't understand 
why people continually vote for the people who don't do what's best for them, what's in their best interest. It makes no sense to me. The second part of that is why can't they ever just do bills for one topic, right? We need infrastructure reform, replenishment, rehab, rebuild, whatever words you want to put to it. Infrastructure in this country is laughable. The amount of bridges, roads that suck Pennsylvania, where I live, has the worst roads. I drive to other states from Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, Jersey, New York, Ohio, West Virginia. Roads are much better, way better, smooth, no trash. There's infrastructure problems all around this country, not just exclusive to Pennsylvania. There are infrastructure problems everywhere. Why is it so hard to do a bill that says, hey, we've got this problem, here's this solution. And that's a bill. You wanna add something in for tax relief, you wanna add something in for healthcare, you wanna add something in for social services, you wanna add something in for the arts, you wanna add something in for whatever, write another bill. Let's go through the same process. Why is that so hard? That's what I don't get. Why is that so hard? Why is it so hard to have streamlined bills no matter what party you're from, no matter what type of mindset or ideology you subscribe to? Why is it so hard? I mean, the answer to me is follow the money, right? Donations, sponsorships, kickbacks, all the people, the lobbyists who just go to DC, live in DC, pay rent in DC, a lot of them rent free. But why is that so hard? I don't get it. But more importantly, why do people keep reelecting these people? Biden's the president now. The other guy was president before, another guy before that, another guy before that. And every single time a party changes presidency or a party takes control of the Congress, the same games are played in every single time. And it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. I say it all the time. I became politically conscious in 2000. And ever since then, every single election cycle, literally to me, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And I hate to see what happens five, eight, 15, 20 years from now, how worse it'll be if we keep letting this happen. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand why people keep voting against their best interests. And this is Democrats and Republicans alike. Voting against their best interests makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's why I'm a big proponent of a, a strong, major, substantial, impactful third party. Take the power away from both Democrats and Republicans. Make them earn your vote. Make them earn the legislation they want to pass. A strong third party will do that. Political reform, election reform, campaign reform, all those things, which by the way, Democrats and Republicans will never pass that. Just like they'll never pass term limits. But a strong, superior, not superior, wrong, wrong choice of words, a strong, influential, substantial third party, that'll make Democrats and Republicans actually earn the votes that they get and hold them accountable to what they do after they're in office. And until we get that, until that happens, a strong third party, 
Democrats and Republicans will keep just tipping on one side of the seesaw, just going back up and down. That's all they'll do. At some point, we got to take a stand. Every incumbent, vote them out. Every single one, Democrat, Republican, vote every single one out. I don't care who's running. Because what it'll do, hopefully we don't vote in somebody crazy like the last president. But hopefully we don't vote in somebody who really just turns everything upside down and destroys this whole government system that we have. But hopefully what it'll do is say, hey, I need to actually do what I'm going to say. I actually need to worry about my constituents. I actually need to put them first in my decision making. And more importantly, I need to put this entire country first. We talk about some people talk about America first. Not a lot of congressmen, senators and presidents actually do until there's a third party. Not going to happen. Next thing that's on my mind is. The day I'm recording this, Pennsylvania got a preview of spring. Spring is coming. It was a beautiful, warm, sunny day. I got jitters and excitement. I woke up this morning. I did my workout. I don't know if you can tell. You can't really tell. No, you can't really. Maybe you can tell. Got a little muscle going in there. But I got excited. I worked out this morning. I did my smoothie. Did all these things. And it was just warm. And I got a little preview, a little preview of my favorite season, which is summer. My favorite season is summer. My favorite season to look at is spring and fall because I love the colors of those two seasons. But the one thing about warm weather and spring coming, barbecue, golf, getting a tan, socializing, friends coming over for parties, all these things, <clears throat> sitting out on the deck or a patio or whatever you have, walks in the park, going to the beach, all these things, going for drives. One of the things I love doing is going for a drive. Just getting in the car, no destination. I don't care if I go north, south, east, or west. Crack the sunroof open, roll the windows down, all the way, some of the way, doesn't matter. Play some music, usually jazz, reggae, dance hall, R&B, naturally. And just drive. Fresh air. People watch. That's what I love about the warm weather. I don't have to stay in the house if I don't want to. I don't care if it even rains, to tell you the truth. If it's 80 degrees and it's raining, I don't care. But it's warm, it's spring, and spring kind of gives you that, that key in the door and that first turn and that opening the door when whatever's going on in the house, that smell comes over you. And you're like, ah, if the smell's good, because obviously if the smell sucks, you're like, what the hell is this person cooking? Or why the hell haven't they cleaned? Or what's up with their pets or whatever. When you walk into a house with a good smell and you put the key in, you turn it and you open and it's just like, ah. And it's just the beginning of the night or beginning of the weekend or beginning of whatever. That's what spring is to me. That's that, that first weekend when you get those warm temperatures and you know the lows are not so low anymore and the highs just keep steadily increasing the next seven days and the next two weeks and the next month. But it's the beginning of that increase. It's the beginning of spring and warm weather. No more snow on the ground. No more threats of snow. No more cold forecast or, or winter storm alerts you know you got past it and warm days are ahead sitting out on the deck in a tan sweating which is what i love to do just sweat it out without even moving hot 90 something degree days i love that shit i love it but that that first warm weekend when you know everything after that until it gets to the fall and temperatures start coming down and sunlight starts coming down or decreasing i should say that's that's the beauty of spring. 
it's opening the door to great weather and good times. Opportunities to socialize, barbecue, cook, sit out, catch up, all those things. I love spring. Next thing that's on my mind is, so I've, some of my immediate and intimate friends know my plans with it when it comes to what I'm doing with my house, where I'm going to live, that type of, that type of stuff. But I purchased my house 16 years ago. This is 2021. So 16 years ago. And you'll hear some stories about that in the next segment when I have my guest on, but I purchased my house and it was full disclosure. It was originally supposed to be a starter house. It was originally going to be something I was going to be in for five years and then buy my next house, the bigger house, whatever, relocate, not relocate, whatever. But it was supposed to be a five year agreement between me and my house. 16 years later, I'm still here. And it's, it's not because I couldn't move or didn't want to move. It's really just how life flowed. You look up and it's five years going, you look up, it's 15 years going, you look up at 16 years. I'm like, damn, where the hell did the time go? but a lot of great memories, some good memories and a few really, really shitty memories. But to me, it's past time to go. And so I've been looking at this whole experience because it's new to me because it's not something I did five years ago. It's something I did 16 years ago. Everything's changed. The markets changed, houses have changed, prices have changed, all that stuff. And so it's one of those things where I, if, if you know me a little bit, you know, and I always say that a lot. If you know me a little bit, you know, when I make big decisions, I got spreadsheets and ratings and calculations and, and, and scoring and all these types of things for all the different possibilities under the sun. It's just what I do. It's a Capricorn. I'm a nerd. I can't help it. But this feels like a brand new experience to me because, and, and you'll hear, like I said, how I bought my house in the next segment, basically to give you a, a top down view or a high level view. It was private owner, private seller. No agents were involved. It was one of those things where you don't hear about that happening that often. That happened to me. I drove by, I saw for sale sign, not a realtor for sale sign. I saw a literally one of those white and red for sale signs, called the number, boom, next thing you know, I'm buying a house from this guy. But it's one of those things where I'm going into it eyes wide open because for me, this house is the probably last house that I buy before I retire, which my plans to retire somewhere more tropical, more islandly, islandly, and more chillax, which you haven't heard that word in a while, right? Chillax, more chillax. So I'm going into it with my eyes wide open. I had three locations as possibilities. It's kind of like one and a half now, say like one and a quarter now. So the second location, and it's got to catch up for me to consider it seriously. There's really one location I'm taking extremely seriously. There's one location I'm taking sort of seriously, but it, it needs to motivate me to consider it a little more. But relocating, buying a house, selling a house, those are big steps. They say relocating, getting married, having a child, losing or changing jobs and, and other things are the biggest mistakes. Whoops, not biggest mistakes, biggest decisions in your life, the most stressful decisions in your life. While I'm not stressed about it, I'm excited about it because it's finally, it's been one of those things. And I've talked about, you know, me kind of just taking the, the, the direction by the reins the last couple of weeks and months and saying, you know what, it's time for this to happen. And focusing borderline obsessing over 
all the different aspects of relocating, whether it's place, school district, quality of the home, amount of the home, savings, funding, all these different things. Somewhat kind of been obsessing about it, but it's okay. I, I'm one of those Capricorns. I want to get shit right. It's just the way it goes. But one thing about this whole thing for me, and it's not even about just relocating or packing for moving. I hate packing, period. So if I'm going away for a weekend, I'm going on vacation for a week or two weeks, or if I'm moving, I hate packing. I either grossly underpack if it's a vacation or a weekend getaway, or I grossly overpack. It's just one of those things. Like so, for, so, side story. First of all, when you go to a resort somewhere, island, not island, whatever, there are requirements for dinner for guys. You got to wear closed-toed shoes. You got to wear slacks, collared shirt. And so, for me, I'm perfectly fine on vacation because I've been eating healthy, working out, you know, forever. By the time I get to vacation, I'm just drinking, eating whatever, not working out typically. Sometimes I actually do work on a vacation. It's one of my things. I like to work out on vacation, but it's one of those things where I've got to pack in case I go to dinner every night. That's the way I think. Now, granted, if I'm going away for seven days somewhere, I might go out to eat three, four of those because there's a couple nights every time I go away somewhere, I say like 90% of the time when I go somewhere where either I'm going to one pass out drunk or not drunk, typically usually because I'm drunk. But I'm going to pass out. I'm going to have eaten so much and drank so much during the day that I'm not even hungry in the least. Like I literally don't need food at this point. It's the last thing I need right now. Or in the very rare, 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 rare case, either a combination of the day I arrived or the day it is, the restaurant that I prefer compared to what's open is not open. Right? So maybe you go, you've been there. Like I've been to somewhere where I was there for two weeks. And so by the time you get to the end of the first week, you know, the restaurants on the site that you like and don't like, well, some restaurants are open on Tuesdays, close on Wednesdays, open third, that type of stuff. It might be a Thursday and the restaurant you prefer is closed. And the only restaurants are open are the ones you've tried and you didn't really like. And so I just might not eat that day, but it's one of those things. I hate packing though. I really, really, really hate packing. I try to travel with just a carry on as much as possible. Granted, if I'm going somewhere for a week or two weeks, it's kind of tough to do. I've actually done it one time. I did a, pa- a carry on and a carry on only. And I literally packed for five day or six day, five night trip. I packed two dinner outfits because I said, these people don't know me. I'll wear one Monday, one Tuesday, one Wednesday, one Thursday, one Friday. And you know, I, I'm flying out Saturday. For some reason, I didn't do that again. And it, it, I really should, because all I got to do is bring one pair of pants and four shirts. Who cares? They see me the same pants every day. What does it matter? But typically what I do is I either grossly unpack, underpack or I grossly overpack. And so it's one of those things I still haven't figured out because I, one, I like to dress whether I'm going on vacation or not, but I can easily sit around in swim trunks or speedos. I do wear speedos, swim trunks or speedos and a t-shirt all day, every day, every day. I could do that. And so I don't need, I can do a carry on. All I need is my toiletries and my, and swim clothes and tanning clothes. 
I can do that every single day. I don't need to go to where. Food from the bar, drinks from the bar, I'm good. It's vacation. But I hate packing. But when it comes to relocating, I've got 16 years worth of stuff in this house, this big ass house. It's gonna be tough to figure out what I'm taking, what I'm giving away, what I'm selling. And I just hate packing, so it's gonna suck. It's really gonna suck. I'm gonna drink a lot and bitch a lot and it's just gonna be what it is. The last thing that is on my head is this. Sports are back. Sports are back. So for me, that means football is back. Softball is possibly back. I can get outside and run on a track. I could go run on the street like I do. I have a four and a half mile run that has a really long downhill and a huge uphill. Like break your back, stretch your lungs, where you get that cold, hot feeling in your lungs because you are so exhausted as far as your lung capacity and, and getting your energy into your, your muscles and all that and your blood into your muscles. It's one of those things. And the beauty about this run that I do, the downhill is immediately followed by this huge uphill that's a multi-tiered uphill. So you kind of come downhill and then you go uphill, you kind of do a little plateau and then you go uphill again. So just if you're not mentally prepared for it, just when you think you're done, nah, you got more uphill to go. And then there's a whole nother uphill over a bridge that I do towards the end that finishes near a track where sometimes I get to do a couple laps there and then finish my run. It's, it's an amazing run. It took me a long time before I got all the way through without stopping because it really is, it's a, it's a great long run. But sports is back. And literally this weekend, football is back. And so I'll be playing in two leagues um, during the weekends and one league during the week. And so for me, I love it because one, it gets me my cardio and two is football. I'm good at football. I still love football. Although listen, I'm 43. I don't have many games left compared to, you know, I'm, I'm in the waning or the, the waxing area of my football life, right? I'm fully aware of that. I get it and I understand it and I accept it. It will be hard when I finally decide this is it. That last game, I'm going to cry. I'm, listen, I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed to do it. I will cry my last game because I've played so much football in my life since 10, 11 years old. And literally, I've only not played football in a calendar year twice since then. Two years. That's it. So it's one of those things where it's a chapter in my life that's going to close. And it's a huge chapter in my life. I've played high school, college, semi-pro, multiple leagues. After that flag, rough touch, tackle, tournaments. I've done all these things when it comes to football. Won a bunch of championships, not on the high school, college, or semi-pro level, but after that. And it's it's one of those things where once it's over, I'll play more golf. But football will be, it'll be one of those things where if you've never seen me play, and it, listen, I'm pretty good. I consider myself good. You know, I wasn't NFL good, but I was pretty good. But it's one of those things where if you never see me play and seen the passion that I play with, the effort that I give, the skill that I show, it's one of those things where I've, I've just, over time, I've tried to get better and better as a football player, not as a position player, right? So I played wide receiver, corner, 
punter, punt return, holder for field goals, field goals, kicker. I've done all these things. I'm fast. I'm pretty fast. But I've tried to get better as a receiver because I was a defensive player to start. That's just where my bread and butter was. I, well, <laughs> let me correct the record. I tried to play quarterback. Actually tried out for varsity quarterback. And they were like, no. My arm was good, but I didn't have any of the formal training. Somebody tried to run it out. I threw a looping pass way over there. I'll never forget it. It was the longest pass I ever threw. And it's one of those things where if I had practiced and had formal training and a coaching on being a quarterback, I probably could have been a quarterback. I have a pretty strong arm. I don't use anymore. Plus, I separated my shoulder plan, semi-pro, and it kind of hasn't been the same throwing the ball ever since. I still can throw you out from center field, though. I still play softball, and I will throw you out if you if you do a single and a man on second from center field. I will throw you out. Just saying. But sports is back. And it's the time of the year that I love. Like I said before, spring brings all these things back. I play year-round football pre-COVID. Play winter leagues, summer leagues, fall leagues, spring leagues, tournaments, all that stuff. Winter leagues are fun once you get moving. It's cold as hell, though. But when it comes to spring and football coming back, it's that, that warm weather where you just have, you know, shorts and a T-shirt and nothing else. And not nothing else. You know what I mean. But when football comes back in the spring, it's it's a great time because it's that cardio like i said it's that cardio where you get your running in you get your workout in and it's it's just a beautiful thing so i hope that you have some great plans for spring we're we're slowly crawling out of this covid situation and it's going to be a beautiful thing and i hope that you're able to barbecue get family together without spreading covid but get your family together and do all these great things with spring so with that coming up we are going to have a great guest on we're going to talk about some real estate some investment property stuff we're going to do all that and i promise you it's going to be worth the wait and some great great tips we'll be right back after this simple solutions for complex problems for 15 years, the mantra has been the practice of SRE Solutions, providing business intelligence, application and website design, and PC repair services for clients. SRE Solutions has a simple solution for your problem, regardless of the complexity. Contact SRE Solutions at www.sresolutions.org and get your problem resolved today. All right, welcome back, welcome back. So there's this old adage, and I got this from this uh, investment website. There's an old adage in real estate investing that you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. And that's because unlike buying a residence to live in, buying an income property for investment is all about the numbers. And there are many more metrics that just simply than just simply sales, comparable analysis and all that stuff. You gotta consider leaving wiggle room for mistakes, market fluctuations, loss, delays, all these things when you think about buying an investment property and doing all these things. So MBA is the Mortgage Bankers Association. 
mortgage rates have stored, sort of kind of moved up above 3% in recent weeks. Like the economy is starting to kind of get itself back together for a 30 year fixed mortgage. NBA is forecasting that the Freddie Mac survey rate will reach about 3.5% by the end of 2021. So what's happening now? A lot of people are selling. I'm included. I'm thinking about selling my damn self. October 2020, last year, they forecasted that the purchase origins, originations, I should say, are expected to grow 8.5% to a new record of, get this, $1.54 trillion in 2021. People were selling, people were taking out mortgages, refinancing, all that stuff. And so I'm talking about all this because I want to bring in my guest for this episode, Frank Perkins. Frank is a father, a husband, a real estate investor, licensed PA realtor, He's a brother and he's one of my best friends, a role model and an inspiration for how to be a man. Welcome to Dave's Head Podcast. Frank, how's it going? Can't complain at all. Thank you for having me. Can't complain is a good thing. You know, it's uh, the day we're recording this, it was like 65 degrees. We got a little taste of spring. So if you didn't get outside, it sucks to be you. Not you, Frank. I'm just saying the people who are listening. But it's it's a, a pleasure to have you on, you know, you one of my closest, closest friends, brothers, like, you know, brother from another mother, that whole saying. So I appreciate you taking time to come into Dave's head. One of the things I like to do, I know I just gave a little couple bullet points about you, but one of the things I like to do is have my guests tell the people who they are in their own words. So tell the people who you are, what you do and what you're about. So, um, my career field is, uh, telecommunications. I have my degree in uh, networking and communications management. Uh, but uh, I'm a real estate investor, also a licensed uh, a realtor within the state of the uh, state of Pennsylvania. Um, currently with a company called Mosaic Brokers Group, uh, which I'm uh, proud to be a part of. And um, yeah, I mean, just coming off of uh, doing a, a flip in the one nine one four four section of Germantown. Um, was was definitely experience. I uh, took some definite hits, uh, learned quite a bit. Um, but all in all, um, you know, it was a great experience for me. Really looking to build on uh, my rental portfolio, um, which is a passive income. Um, you know, buy and hold is what we call it um, in the industry. Um, looking to build on and looking to build on that. Got you. So, it, you know, it's Taco Tuesday. So can I get a break, you know, just get a little something, something so I can grab some tacos? You know, I mean, you just did a flip, so you got some money, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Man, when I'm done this 75 hard challenge, we can definitely grab some tacos. All right, cool, cool. So multiple streams of income is where it's at, and it's it's a way to set up retirement for not only yourself and your family as well. Absolutely. Gotcha. So let's get into the uh, Q&A, and I want to start with a term I didn't even know and I've never even heard of. So what is BRRR method? I had to make sure I just said the proper number of R's, but what is the BRRRR method? And why is it important to know about that method for potential uh, investors? The BRRR method is you're buying, you're renovating, you're renting the property, uh, you're refinancing, and then you're repeating that process. Uh, and the beauty of the BRRR method is, um, let's say you have, uh, $60,000. You can take that 60 and you can break it down. You can say, okay, now you, you, that 20 is your down payment, 20 for one property, 20 for the second property, 20 for the third property. Um, whether you go a hard money lender or whether you raise capital through investors, 
now you have the ability as opposed to taking all of your money and putting your skin into the game putting everything into one particular property you're actually able to spread your money around and get multiple deals going at one time but when you think about the bird method itself you're purchasing a property that's undervalued that needs work um you're purchasing that property and for simple numbers uh purposes let's say you're going in you purchase the property for 20 grand um again you're renting a property so i mean you want to put uh quality into it but again you want to minimize your expenses and maximize your profit um so you're going in let's say the property needs about 30 grand worth of work so i believe i said uh, acquisition was 20. you put about 30 into it so now you're all in at 50 grand well let's say that that property is worth um 100 100 grand just for simple math purposes general rule um, is you don't want to be maybe 65 to 70 percent uh, anywhere above that in terms of your investment um, I would say now maybe 65 percent because what can happen is again now after you've purchased the property which is the buy piece um, now you've rented the property I mean sorry renovated the property um, so now you've made the necessary necessary repairs now you can bring a tenant in because the bank is looking for you to have some type of seasoning potentially or to have, uh, you know, to show that it is an income producing property. But then you also through the repairs that you've made to the property. Now you've uh, you've increased the property value and you can borrow against that equity in it. And, and that is basically how by you doing it, what's called a cash out refi. This is how you're paying back those lenders. This is how you whether it's your money or whether it was uh, a hard money lender or whether it was a capital investor you're paying them their money back you have a mortgage on the property the tenant is paying the mortgage you have um you know and so whatever's left over which is after your expenses um which could be you know just month you know just you know just putting some money aside whether you're paying a property manager or you're managing it yourself um or whether you're sitting some money aside for whatever potential repairs uh, may come about the rest is your income so now you have uh, passive uh, income coming in on a monthly basis, but now you also have uh, generational wealth, something that you can, you know, that will appreciate over time that you can pass down and uh, and pass down to your family or have as an investment for yourself. So basically, I don't have to say the R's and B R. I could just say Burr. So all that all that time trying to Burr trying to correct. trying to spell that out, I could just said Burr instead of B R and trying to count the R's in my head. There's too many damn R's. But okay, gotcha. I, yeah, four R's. But you know, you get to like three, and yeah. it's like B R R. Wait, my mother three or four? Like, did I say two? Yeah. So just Burr. They start yeah, to collapse. Burr method. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Cool. So, I um, I I'm thinking about selling my house, but I'm also thinking about renting it out. So like, you know, everything you just talked about kind of got the cogs turning in my head, thinking about you know, uh, should I keep it and rent it because you know there's residual income, or should I sell it and try to cash out? You know it's it's got that those wheels turning because it is a big difference right you sell you done like but if you keep it and rent it constant consistent hopefully good renters you get you know can take care a portion of your mortgage and you know eventually you pay it off you still got renters that's just income right. so it's, it's, it's definitely something to think about so next question talk about the term house hacking what does it mean and what should people know about it so right now, um, people who are looking to get into the real estate game, um, they don't have any, you know, they, they don't have a place of residence. They're first time home buyers, if you will, let's say, for example, 
Um, what's happening is, is you have uh, the ability to go in, you can take advantage of uh, first time home buyer rates or just, uh, you know, just the rates that are offered to people who are purchasing properties and it's going to be their place of residence. You're able to, um, as opposed to the com com uh, commercial uh, mortgage uh, rates that are out there, you're able to take advantage of, you know, just the regular homeowner rates. Um, you know, and so you can go in, you can do what's, what's called a 203K loan where you can purchase a distressed property. Uh, you can get the work done to the property, bring it up to, to value. And so here it is. Now you have a place of residence where you can rest your head. Now with them, when it comes to the hacking coming in, now you're bringing in a roommate or a tenant, whatever the case may be. So now you're becoming a landlord. And so now you're renting that uh, portion of that property out which can help supplement the income, which again, um, you know, and now you also have a property that you have some equity in that you could borrow against. And now that puts, that gives you an income producing property, a property that's going to appreciate. And now it gives you some cash flow to now go into your next, uh, your next, uh, next real estate. Move, so if you had to tell a potential investor, just one thing, like they, they come to you, Frank, I'm thinking about becoming an investor. And you had to tell them one thing to kind of get them in the direction of being on the road to success. What would it be? Know your numbers. Um, understand the value. Uh, understand, learn as much as you can about the area that you're invested in. Um, you know, just, that's it. It's all in the numbers. Real estate is all about the numbers. It's all about understanding. And also um, your exit is just as, as important as your entry. They're both, uh, you know, um, it, like I said, the deal is made when you purchase it. Understanding the numbers, understanding exactly, you know, what is, uh, you know, are you getting a good deal from acquisition, the rehab, the, everything down the line that's all important. Knowing the numbers is key. Because, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, how much you make is, is the biggest number, right? So, yeah. Right. And being able to just see a property, gauge it, neighborhood, right. all that stuff. Right. Gotcha. You, you've got your levels of speculative investing, but at the same time, um, and this, you know, it, it, you know, you can run in the numbers when, it, when, you, in terms of just understanding, uh, particularly what's been happening in that particular market from the last six months to a year, whatever case may be, um, and what the projections are. I mean, there's very different, there's different angles that you can look at, uh, when it comes to, uh, understanding and learning the area, um, whether it's from a new construction or if it's, it, it depends on what level of investment you're getting into, but it's all about learning the numbers, that's it. I got you. So talking about relationships with investing, how important are relationships in investing? Relationships are everything. Um, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's the old saying of your network is your net worth. And that's across uh, almost any, any industry, uh, but particularly in the real estate industry, uh, when you're talking about whether it's other agents that you're dealing with, other investors that you're dealing with, um, you know, resources uh, are shared, um, you know, and so and relationships are built and, you know, and relationships are everything in this business. Um, you know, particularly the Philadelphia real estate community is a small community. Um, and so your reputation, your integrity, everything comes into play. You know, who you are, um, how you do business, how you treat people. It's important. I gotta use that. So your relationships, no, what was it? Your network is your net worth. Huh. Absolutely. I've heard that one before. 
But that I mean that, that does. I mean that really does apply across everything. Like the things I'm into, things you into, yes, it does. real estate or not. So that, that I got to remember that one. Your network is your net worth. All right. So talk about um, if somebody's looking to buy a home. Let's shift to the home buying side of things real quick. The real estate side of things. Um, if somebody's looking to buy a home, what makes for a good agent for a buyer? I would say, of course. Um... Walking in, of course, you want somebody who's familiar with the market, who knows the market, um, you know, inside and out. But it's the little things, you know, when it comes to when we talk about communication, when you talk about diligence, when you're talking about, you know, uh, is this your level of comfort um, when it comes to how they communicate with you um, and how they deal with you, all of that's important. Um, and so um, in selecting an agent, um, you want to, again, it's their reputation. You know who have they dealt with you know um you know asking questions you know what, what what you know what was their experience like with that agent if you're able to you know if it's a referral um but i mean those are the most important things um you know you being comfortable with the communication level of that of that agent uh their knowledge um um all of those things i would say that those are some of the most important things so a little little quick story so when i purchased my house i purchased my house in 2005 and the agent I had, I gave him explicit, specific, very fine instructions on what I was looking for, what I was not looking for. And literally he showed me probably seven properties in a row that were all things I was not looking for. And I locked into a contract. And so the contract, I believe was a six month contract if I can remember correctly. And so basically I had to ride him out for six months because he just literally kept showing me these small ass houses with the little garage on the side. And I told him specifically, I don't like those houses. And then he just showed me like this huge, big ass house that was like two and a half times my, my, my price range. And so it was like, it was one of those things. And, and I actually bought my house, private owner, private buyer, right? No real estate agent, no, none of that. So, I mean, I kind of got lucky. I just drove around the neighborhood, like damn for sale sign, boom, let's go. But talking about relationships and, and your relationship to your real estate agent, that's one of those things like they got to be able to listen to you right and they got to be able to show you things that you're interested in unlike the guy i had who just literally kept showing me property after property that was exactly what i said i don't want which is crazy so a little quick fun fun story for you i got that service is everything man you know um and this is a customer service business um and if they're not living up to that contract if they're not living up to you know uh you know their responsibility to you we have a fiduciary responsibility to our clients, bottom line, across the board. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not uh, if you're not satisfied, hey, you know, you gotta find yourself another agent. That's just not. I mean, there's nothing. You know, you don't have to stick around in the situations uh, like that to where I mean, you're not happy. You're not happy with uh, the agent. You know, you can touch base with the broker um, if the communication with that agent is not there in terms of you continuously tell them, hey, you're not showing me, showing me properties within my price range. You're not uh, really, uh, I don't see that you're focused on or paying really or, or really attentive uh, to, you know, what my needs are, what I'm looking for when it comes to a property. So um, those are the things, man. Those are all the very important. Um, and that's where when you talk, you know, talk about picking an agent and 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 finding an agent, um, those are one of the things that come up. That's one of the things that come into mind when I think of that. Um, you being comfortable with them, you vibing with them, the flow of how they deliver the information to you, you know, they deliver, um, 
you know, the properties that you, the properties that they find based off of your criteria, how they deliver that to you, how prompt they are, everything. Um, it's all important. In my defense, I was kind of like fresh off the boat, like Similac still on the lip. So I, I saw a contract locked in. I was like, all right, I got to ride this dude out. Like, and then once, like right. literally a couple weeks after the contract ended, drove by, saw the sign, boom. Next thing you know, I'm talking to a private owner trying to sell. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. How I looked into it too, the person who was supposed to come see the house before me, just no show, no call. And so when I showed up, you want this? I'm offering that. Damn, that match. We good. <laughs> It was literally that easy. Right. I'm pretty sure the next house I buy will be nothing like that as far as ease. But, it, you know, I got the experience of that. It was cool. Other than the agent, it was cool. Um, so talking about buying a house and, you know, the norm and, and the standard that people talk about is 10 to 20% down. Is that the good number? Is that where it should be? Should it be more or less? What's your thoughts on that? Well, remember at one point FHA was 3.5 and conventional was just 20%. Right. Um, nowadays, it's 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 FHA is still three point five percent, but the credit score is about five eighty. Um, you know, and when you're looking at conventional loans, um, you can get uh, conventional loans five at basically a five percent with a six sixty credit score. Now, um, starting with because typically that's what we start thinking when we think of the down payment of what we need to bring to the table, whether we go FHA or whether we go uh, conventional. Um, but and this is what I recommend to to my buyers is number one, you want to have uh, their additional costs. You got your closing costs and then you still want to have some form of savings or something set aside. Remember, you're purchasing a home. Anything can happen. You want to be prepared. Um, and so, uh, you know, having a good 10 to 50, you know, 10 to 20, depending on the property that you're purchasing, having a good between 10 to 20 percent is accurate. Um, and again, it all depends on the situation, but um, you want to have, uh, I would say, safely, you know, and, and everybody's got money right about now, but whether it's these, uh, uh, you know, whether it's a stimulus package, PPP loans. Um, what have you. I mean, and again, of course, we're coming up now with tax season uh, coming up and, and, and a prime time for the real estate market now. Well, approaching when you talk about spring coming, when people start to get out, they start looking, um, you know. Uh, so really having uh, not only the down payment money um, for to go towards your loan, but then also having the closing costs and then having some money set, set aside for whatever may come about. Um, is really key. Um, so, you know, depends on the situation, but a good 10 to 20% is not bad at all. I mean, yeah, and that makes sense, right? I mean, I know there is zero down financing, but you, I mean, you put yourself, it's, it's, to me, I look at it like a car loan, right? Like you put zero down, you're putting yourself behind a ball just to start because you're paying so much interest to start with the the uh, payoff. It, it, you just, you, your value in the home is not increasing as fast as it could if you put more money down. The same way I look at a car. Like you drive off the lot, you're losing money. Gotcha. And, and basically, but I mean, you know, but with, when it comes to hope purchasing a home, I mean, this is, that's one thing that we look forward to some form of appreciation. In most cases, I mean, like I said, that's just what it is. I mean, again, most of your millionaires are built off of the real estate game um, when it comes to, you know, how they get started as entrepreneurs. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that appreciation is what we look for. Uh, but having that, you know, having a solid base 
um, is, is really key. You know, not everybody has, um, I mean, they have it. Everybody's got, seems to have cash and have money in hand now, but, uh, you know, typically when people went FHA, you had conventional loans out there, of course, but, uh, and, and people who were able to save up 20% and be able to put that down and have it and have some money set aside. He had that out there, but, uh, it's mainly, I would say, uh, you know, 10 to 15%, I mean, 10 to 15, 20% is a good number. All right. So, so talk about the process of purchasing a home, you know, should the pre-approval from the bank come first or locking down an agent, finding a house, something else. Talk about that process. Uh, you know, um, you definitely want to be pre-approved first. Um, you know, that's the, that's the bottom line. You know, the pre-approval is key because that lets the agent know exactly, um, you know, you know, what type of financial situation you're in and, and, and what, uh, what the fun, what the numbers are in terms of the properties they'll be looking for, uh, for you. Um, unless it gets a great gauge and letting you know, okay, this is, I mean, bottom line, it's exactly what you can afford. Um, and so, you know, it eliminates, you know, people going out and, and looking at properties that are way beyond their means. Um, you know, it, it gives a specific focus on, you know, uh, you know, and a specific target on what you're looking for when it comes to uh, a home. Um, and bottom line is, I mean, you're wasting your time. And you're wasting the agent's time if you don't know what you're able to afford, if you don't know what your numbers are. Uh, so that's basically, that is the first step, um, I should say. Um, also, like I said, saving money, um, you know, putting some money aside, saving now based off the pre-approval that, again, will let you know exactly whether you need to go, you know. I mean, you should be saving money no matter what. Um, but that'll give you a better gauge. Okay, do I need to save more money? Am I sad? Do, am I good to go? It'll give you a gauge of where you are financially. Um, and the next is, uh, you know, finding an agent um, uh, that you feel comfortable with, that you want to work with, and uh, going from there. Cool, cool. So so once you, you find, you got your pre-approval, you found the agent, now you're looking at houses. And this is where we talked about before, about relationships, right? So now you... you they know what you can afford. They know what you're looking for. Now this is the next step is all right, y'all being in tandem, show me houses that match my my vibe, match what I'm trying to do. And that's really the key. I mean, it's 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 having uh and the relationship is you know finding the agent that you can work with. Finding the agent is key. Finding the agent that uh you know that you're in sync with, um that knows what you're looking for, that knows uh you know that has a good feel for what you like, what you don't like. And again, some of that is kind of developed as you go along, but, um, you know, that relationship is key. That's the most important thing. That relationship is very important and key. Got you. So you've been looking for a house, great agent, maybe got Frank Perkins as your agent, you found a house. So now it's time to do the walkthrough and look at the inspection report. What should a potential home buyer look for in the walkthrough and on that inspection report? Well, first thing, um, and I mean, before you get to the inspection report, what you think about is uh, the foundation, uh, making sure that the that the foundation is solid. Um, you know, uh, you know, making sure that you have, uh, you know, understand the how old the mechanicals are, um, the heating system, the air conditioning systems, things of that nature. Uh, when you think about the roof, um, you know, electrical systems, but you want to pay attention to. Um, 
I mean, you would pay attention to everything on the inspection report, but the anything that the inspector says needs to be immediately addressed. And again, now that expect that inspection report is going to be specific to the property. Uh, but you know, checking the mechanicals, checking for leaks. Um, you know, when you're let's say you're walking now again, if you're reviewing the report, if you're looking at everything that that the uh, that the inspector said now. From an agent perspective, we're going to take a look at that report. There may be some things that we did or didn't see. Now you're going to take a look at it. You're going to decide, okay, is this something that this a part of home ownership or is this something that, okay, could make or break the deal? And so then you really just decide and you prioritize based off of what you want to get, what, what needs to be done and what you're willing. I mean, it, it all depends on the buyer. You have some buyers that say, hey, you know, I don't mind doing this work. I don't mind taking care of that. So, you know. It's not something that we're going to ask for credit for, or we're going to ask the uh, homeowner to take care of. You know, it's something that uh, you know we'll take care of. So it all depends. Um, but those things that need to be addressed, or that the, that the inspector said need to be addressed, um, you tend to try to get those things done. Because, um, like I said, typically they can make a bigger deal at times. Got you. So. Say I'm somebody, all I've known is renting, whether it's renting a house, renting an apartment complex, whatever. All I've known my entire life is renting. I'm a first, I'm like the pure first time home buyer, eyes wide open, all that stuff. What's the biggest shock you've seen in, in you know, in real estate? What's the biggest shock for a homeowner, a first time homeowner? I would say the repairs that need to be made at times. You know, like I said, you know, some people just, you know, when, when you're renting, you're used to, to a landlord coming in and taking care of everything. Um, you know, now, like I said, just, I would say if I had to say a, the biggest shock would be repairs, um, or, or just realizing the responsibility. Okay. Yeah. Guess what? I can't, I can't call my landlord for this anymore. Um, you know, I'll, now I have to make sure I'm responsible for this. And now if I sit here, if I don't take care of it, a small issue can become a large issue. So I would, I would say repairs. All right. All right. So let's shift just a little bit. Um, you have a company, uh, PD Properties. So tell me about the, the genesis of starting that company. Uh, what motivated you? Why create that company and, and how it's uh, evolved over time? PD Properties, well, first of all, was me explain the name. Uh, PD was uh, my mother's nickname given to her by my grandfather. Um, and PD Properties was established on the untimely passing of my mother. Uh, at the age of 60, she had just retired from the Delaware Report Authority, uh, August uh, 2016, only to pass a month later, uh, September 2016. Um, and so she worked all of her life and never had a chance to enjoy the fruits of her labor. Um, you know, understanding that uh, this is Father Tom is undefeated and uh, you never know um, when it's your time. I knew I had to uh to get moving in motion quickly um at least that's the way i felt in terms of me uh getting my time back um you know working in my career field uh telecommunications is a 24 7 business um i've missed a lot of time with family i've missed a lot of time you know across the board so uh, you know for me having that time was most important but then again her legacy was also everything, is everything to me. It was something that, um, you know, knowing that I was going to get into the real estate business and knowing that, 
you know, um, your logo, your business, it, 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 you know, and it, it's a symbol. And for me, what does that symbol represent? And, you know, for me, you know, it was about having my mother's name and that logo at the forefront meant everything. Um, and so I just wanted to build on that and uh, have something that my that my daughters could look at, my family could look at and feel proud about. Um, that's what it's all about, man. Um, so it's about generational wealth. It's about legacy and it being built on her name. And I will say not even uh, Dave's head to, to Frank Perkins, but man to man, brother to brother, you're absolutely living up and, and, and you know, rising up for her legacy, um, leveling up as I like to hashtag all the time. You're definitely leveling up her legacy with the stuff you're doing. So, you know, man to man, brother to brother, Appreciate man, that. you know, you definitely are. So we've um, we've exhausted all the questions I had for Q&A. And what I like to do now is one of my favorite segments with my guests called First Thoughts. So the way this works for anybody listening or watching on YouTube for the first time, I have a series of phrases or sentences or words um, that I pose to my guests and the ideas, what's your first thought? So Frankie, ready? All right. Let's go. So we, we start out with an easy one. If, what's your first thought if I say the word contractors to you? Contractors, what's your first thought? Oh, um, skilled workers. <laughs> um, first thought when I think of contractors are, uh, first thought when I think of contractors are uh, I mean they 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 are the bread and butter. All right, so so next first thought, and we you kind of talked about this a little bit before, but I'm still going to see what pops in your head when I say this: closing costs. What's your first thought? Oh man, um, inspection, uh, appraisal. Um, you know, transfer tax, uh, you know, closing costs, money, 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 right. You know, uh, right. You know, uh, title insurance, uh, you know, commissions, all those things, down payments. Mm -hmm. Commissions are, are probably the most important. <laughs> well, for yeah. sellers. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that's because the seller pays the commissions. So got you. All right, next. In most cases. Gotcha. So next first thought, and, and just we, we talked about probably a little bit of this earlier. So construction setbacks. Uh, What's your first thought? Construction setbacks? Uh, poor skill. Hmm. Workers. Um, weather delays. Uh, man, vandalism. It's a lot of different things. Um, when you think of those setbacks that can potentially happen with a deal. All right. So, so next first thought, um, and just, just think about this one and, and the way I'm going to say it, just, just think about it. I'm, I'm, I'm building up way too much already. So here, here's the first thought, a client smile. What's your first thought? A client smile means satisfaction. A client smile means that they're, um, that, you know, expectations are met. Um, 
you know, that you accomplish the goal of finding them, the, you know, the home of their dreams. And that's one of the reasons why I do this, because at the end of the day, you, you know that you're helping, uh, you know, you're helping people find that place where memories are going to be made. And that's the major part about it. I mean, this is where you rest your head. It's the most important investment that you can make. One of the most important investments that you can make in life. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's nothing. Yeah. Home is where the heart is, right? All the different sayings about home. I mean, if you can't have peace in a house, it don't matter. You know, if you're not happy because you just right. took a property just because, or, you know, your agent got you something that didn't work out in the end. Like you, it's a major yeah. step. And not a lot of people, major I mean, there's nothing step. wrong with renting. Listen, there's, there's perks to renting too. You know, you get the mechanics taken care of repairs. You get, if you're in a community, you get pools and gyms and, and laundry and all that stuff you ain't got to worry about but owning a home coming home to right. something that you've done you know it matters too right. all right so the, so the, the last two are kind of it's a personal privilege because it's my show and i can do what i want so the, the last two have nothing to do with real estate or investing they're kind of just i'm just trying to just throw them out there anyway so the first first thought i'm gonna give you these last two if i say E A G L E S Eagles. What's your first thought? I mean, everything. The city of Philadelphia. The reason why I'm a fan. I think of city representation. They represent me. They represent my city. Um, you know, I think of the team. That's it. I think of Philly. Bottom line. Got you. Got you. All right. So last first thought. And again, this is, this is my personal privilege because it's my damn show. So if I say brotherhood to you, what's your first thought? So, brotherhood, unconditional commitment, um, locking arms from, uh, like I said, from day one to the grave. Bottom line. Got you. Got you. Well, Frank Perkins, I appreciate you coming in Dave's head. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself. Hopefully you had a good time and we were to get some good information out there to the listeners. Before we go, if you have anything going on, anything you want to promote, any initiatives or events or anything going on, feel free to tell the audience about it now. Okay. So didn't get a chance to mention the uh, brokers that I'm with. I'm with uh, Mosaic uh, Brokerage Group. Um, and I'm taking on all clients, listings, uh, buyers listen if you're looking to list if you're thinking about it let's talk about it if you're looking to buy let's sit down let's get you pre-approved and uh let's take advantage of these interest rates while they're still low um and again sellers let's take advantage of uh you know the fact that you control the market right now let's take advantage of the fact that uh you know that there's a potential for you to get above what you what you may be asking again it's not guaranteed but that potential is there with the fact that you control the market so if you're thinking about selling don't think about it let's talk about it let's make it happen all right all right and so before we go i want to throw a little fun fact at you because while i was doing some research for this recording this this segment today um i came across just random google search i was looking for different terms looking up different things to talk about and if you think about retiring in Costa Rica, there's a luxury investment property called Casa Maracuya. I don't know what it is, but it's some sort of ecological villa compound that just went on sale today. I don't know if that's something that you want to do. I'm not saying you, Frank, I'm just saying the audience. Like, 
So for me, my ultimate retirement goal is somewhere on some island somewhere, got a nice beach bar. Yeah. I'm looking at different people every day coming in tourists and we just laughing and having a good time every day. So if you like Costa Rica, right. random fun fact, I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, <clears throat> I don't know if that's something you're interested in, Frank, you know, getting real estate properties or getting something out there in the islands or whatever. But, you know, just figure I'd drop that one. Well, absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, and you know me, I, would, I mean, but it's uh, Jamaica is a country that I that I love from end to end that I've seen various parts of. Um, it's a place that I definitely plan on uh, owning some uh, real estate in. Um, but uh, I mean, listen, growing up in the city, growing up on concrete, to be able to say I can go somewhere whenever I feel like it, uh, and to be in blue and, and I mean to set my feet in blue water at any particular time to be in another country to experience living in another country I mean it's relaxation and it's per it's it's it's, be, it's it's no longer a vacation it's where you rest your head it's where you reside constant beautiful weather constant beautiful beautiful vibes mm-hmm. um something I definitely look forward to and and, and, and uh God willing that the dream will come to fruition but um yeah, absolutely. So you're saying Jamaica's where it's at. So you're saying Atlantic City blue water ain't ain't for you. You tell me where the blue water's at in uh AC outside of the pool <laughs> somewhere. Other than that, you'll find a blue yeah, water. Yeah, got you, got you. Not in AC, but not in AC, but uh but yeah, man. Got you. Well Frank, I appreciate you coming into Dave's head. And after this break, we're gonna do our headers hang ups for this episode. We'll be right back after this. Hey, headers. Yeah, I didn't coin the phrase, I know. During my podcast, you'll notice that between segments, you hear commercials, kind of like this one. The commercials are either paid sponsorships or promotional for people who support my podcast. Well, I like to provide that same opportunity to all my headers. If you like and support, well, technically, you don't have to like it, I guess. But I mean, it's kind of weird and somewhat creepy if you don't like my podcast, but you're still faithfully listening to it. Anyway, if you at least listen to my podcast, I like to offer you the opportunity to advertise on it. Now, before you say it, there is no cost. Hashtag free. If you have a charity or community event or anything going on where you're paying it forward, shoot me an email with a summary and the key info and I'll do all the rest for you. Or, you know what, get creative and do a 30-second ad yourself and send it to me. Either way, send it to davesheadpod at gmail.com. Let's spread the news about great things together. Thanks for listening. I love your smile. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Sorry, I was jamming there. You can't hear it. I can hear it. I was jamming. I need to turn it off. Let me turn it off real quick. <laughs> welcome back to Dave's Head. And with this season two of Dave's Head, I started a segment called Headers Hangups. An opportunity for you to submit questions or topics for me to discuss during the episode. And I generally just choose one or two 
even though I know what they are before I do the recording, I don't think about them. And as it's, it's scout honor. And I do this all the time. It's scout honor. Cause I was a boy scout and a cup scout, cup scout and a boy scout. I don't think about them until I'm recording right now. So the first question comes from adapt to adopt. And they want me to talk about the spring cleaning of emotions. Here's my, my thoughts on that. I'm a internally emotional guy outside. I have that very stoic, calm demeanor inside. I'm going everywhere, but, and I'm an overthinker. So I overthink, overanalyze, overplan, overadjust, all this stuff. I take in all the, the information, all the variables, all the constants, all everything. And I act based on those things, whether in life, relationships, big decisions, all that stuff. Emotions, I'm going to break it down to, to two areas. And I'm, I'm doing all types of things because I'm, I'm literally thinking about this stuff right now. Like I told you, I don't think about it till right now. Emotions, I'm going to break down into two areas. There's life emotions. There's you know, new baby, new job, new home, different things that happen during the day, whether good or bad. And so when it comes to spring cleaning and, and, and just a term that adapt, adopt, use spring cleaning of emotions. To me, it's about resetting every day. I have bad days. I posted on Instagram, a bad day I had, I think it was three, four or five days ago, whatever it was. It was a bad day. It was actually, it was a good three quarters of a day and it was a bad quarter of a day. But the thing that I do every single morning when I wake up is I try to release it. I simply just try to release it. A lot of it has to do with the fact that I have task lists every single day. I have my daily tasks and I, I I'm very meticulous about how I manage my tasks, things I need to get done this day for this podcast. I have tasks. For my job, I have tasks. For my company, I have tasks. For my fraternal responsibilities, I have tasks. For my personal life responsibilities, I have tasks. For my family, I have tasks. I have tasks that I assign to myself every day. And my goal is to get these things done. Now, sometimes I overcommit or over assign things to myself in a daily, in a daily, you know, in a day, but it's whatever. I usually get them done. And if I don't, the other side of that too is I don't get upset if I can't get everything done. I used to, I absolutely used to, but I don't anymore. With regards to emotions and cleansing them every single day, I try to wake up and regardless of what happened yesterday, regardless of what happened yesterday, it's a new day. It's a new opportunity for happiness. It's a new opportunity for the level up that I talk about all the time. It's an opportunity to just simply release and say, you know what, what it was, that's what it is. And now I can move forward to a new day with now what it is and what I can do with it. Cause once I, I go to sleep and wake up, regardless of how many hours it is, when I go to sleep and wake up, there's nothing I could do about anything to happen. And the other thing I, I got a long time ago, a couple books, don't sweat the small stuff and don't sweat the small stuff at work. I adopted that philosophy a long time ago. And it became a part of who I am and what I do. I can't sweat the small stuff because if you sweat the small things, then they build and build and build and build. And after a while, you're carrying all this stuff. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still carrying a lot of stuff, whether you call it baggage, whether you call it uh, a weight, whatever you call it, whatever the term you want to use. I carry those things just like you do. Some of the things are active and some of them are inactive. And we all have triggers, right? We all have triggers that bring that baggage to the forefront, that activate that baggage. But you can't let it carry you day to day to day. I've been through some shit in my life. The book I'm going to write, please buy it, by the way. But the book I'm going to write, you'll be surprised the story that is my life, the path that I've walked. And you'll look at who I am right now and say, how the hell is he here? Like, not even being, you know, exaggerating. Literally, physically, life, here. How the hell am I here with some of the things I'm going through in my life? But I am... Because a long time ago, I said, I can't carry yesterday into today. I just can't. And it's not for lack of caring. It's not for lack of concern. It's not for taking life seriously. I just can't carry negatives from yesterday into today. And don't even misunderstand or think or assume that I'm saying it's easy. It's not. Letting go of things from yesterday sometimes is the hardest thing you can do. But if you want to spring clean your emotions... You have to spring clean them daily. It can't be a spring cleaning. It has to be a daily cleaning. You have to go to bed understanding what happened, what your part in it, what your role was in it, what your power was to influence what happened. And then you have to go to sleep knowing that tomorrow you have an opportunity to do better, whether that situation or another situation. That's just the way it is. With regards to relationships, which is really the, the, the other big emotion, right? Relationships you have. The best relationships are the ones that you can have disputes without discourse. You can communicate nonviolently. You can work out differences as an adult. You can have a conversation, say, this is what I'm feeling. And this is where I'm at. And the other person can say, I'm sorry you feel that way, or I understand why you feel that way. That's not what it is, or it is what it is. And I apologize because I didn't realize that was happening or whatever combination you want to work out. Right. But emotional cleansing is sometimes things just don't go your way. Whether your partner leaves, your partner dies, your partner betrays your trust. Your partner just says, you know what? This isn't working. Your emotional cleansing says, you get a proper time to mourn and regardless of how it ended, like I said, death, cheating, violence, or simply it just didn't work out. You have whatever time you need to mourn that because somebody you considered important to you, someone important to your life, someone you cared about, someone you may have loved is no longer a figment, a foundational piece of your life. And after you get through mourning, you have to emotionally cleanse. You have to emotionally cleanse. And that doesn't mean it, it may. Well, it depends on the situation. If it's a negative ending, then yeah, you just want to rid them of your life. If it's not a negative ending, it doesn't mean removing them from your life. Doesn't mean blocking them. Doesn't mean not talking to them. Doesn't mean any of those things intentionally anyway. But you have to move forward. The cleansing isn't absolute. It doesn't mean whitewashing or blackwashing, we're gonna say blackwashing, but it doesn't mean washing away their memory, it doesn't mean washing away their presence, it doesn't mean washing away their existence, you can still be friends with people who you were in a relationship with. 
I'm still friends with people I have prior relationships with. I'm still friends with somebody I was engaged to. That doesn't change what the reality is. We're not together anymore. But you can build friendships that survive a relationship. But the emotional attachment to that person, you have to cleanse at some point. Your own mental, emotional, physical, physical, yes, physical, health. Your own health requires it. So spring cleansing is really a, a holistic view at those two things. Life cleansing for those types of situations and relationship cleansing. I have a best friend I don't talk to anymore that I've known for, I would have known for about 20 years now. There was no fallout, breakout, nothing like that. We just simply stopped talking. Now, granted, it was that friend's choice. But it wasn't because I did anything. It wasn't because that person did anything. It was just for that person to live successfully, they needed to not be friends with me. And there's a huge, long background to that and why that choice was made. And it's one of those things where I completely understand once I found out that reason. It wasn't that I was a bad friend. In fact, it was because I was too good of a friend. But I understand the choice they made and I understand why we aren't friends anymore. There's another friend who did me wrong and I, and I would have known them just about 20 years now. And we no longer talk and it did not end well. But the same lesson application applies. You have to cleanse yourself of that. And what that means is when you start to have thoughts, oh, this is something that someone would get, or this is something I, I told this person, or I used to do this with this person. You have to get to the point where those things, because they will pop up, whether you cleanse the day, cleanse tomorrow, 20 years from now, it'll pop up. And I'm one of those people who remember things like a freaking turtle, if they or elephant, not turtle. Smells, and, I, and I've said this before, smells, sounds remind me of things and people and so i get memories of people all the time i've traveled a lot with my friends and so places sounds all those things trigger memories but you have to get to a point where those triggered memories don't make you sad they make you happy because the experience you have that person and by getting that happy experience that's realizing the cleansing that's when you know the cleansing has happened when you can think about a person or a friend or a relationship or a lover or a family member and not be sad about it but be happy with that memory pop in your head in that moment so that's the, the question to the answer or answer to the question from adapt to adopt thank you for that question the second question I got was anonymous and it goes a little something like this. When you love someone and they violate your trust, how can you let them get it back? And should you? So I will say my answer to this is very simple. You can violate a trust by telling a little white lie. Your girl or your guy comes out, they're dressed to go out with you that night and they ask how to look and you say, you look great, honey, or yo, or I don't know what women say. You look great, man. I don't know. What do women say to men? You look handsome. There you go. Um, that's a little white lie. 
And so even though they weren't honest, you may find out later that they really didn't like your outfit and it still is a violation of your trust because you entrusted them with just being honest with you. There's also, they cheated on you or they lied about a, a relationship with a friend or they did something to violate their trust, violate that trust that you have with them. I say it's levels to this, right? If it's a little white lie, you have to communicate to them. I don't appreciate you not keeping it real with me all the time. That's my expectation in this relationship, that you'll keep it real with me all the time. If I look ugly, tell me. If my outfit sucks, tell me. If my breath stinks, tell me. Just don't tell me first thing in the morning because both our breath stinks and I'm just going to come right back at you. Like, your breath stinks too. Shit. Just saying. But as you get to different levels... That's also that threshold thing that I've talked about before. There's levels to everything. There's a threshold that you're willing to take. A little white lie about how I look. Eh, he was trying to be nice. She was trying to be nice. Whatever. You cheating on me. You sneaking around. You lying about relationships you got. You lying about where you're going. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That may be something you don't want to forgive. Because... Some people say that if you tell a little small lie and you're comfortable doing that, you'll tell a big lie too, right? There's that idea that lies build on themselves, which they absolutely do, by the way. But there's that notion that lies build on themselves. And you think about whether it be a little mouse, whether it be, you know, a little kid when they're, you know, of getting above age where Tyler, terrible twos, threes, whatever. They keep trying you, right? They go and walk to the gate. They go mess with the gate. They go jump out of their crib. They go reach in the cabinets and grab stuff. They keep trying things here and there to see how far they can get. The same thing applies with trust. If I can violate your trust this much, well, let me try to violate it that much. And let me try to violate it that much. And let me just do this. And pretty soon, I don't respect you at all because I don't care about your trust. And so that's, there's that mindset too, that how much do you allow? Does the little white lie ruin everything? Or is it the bigger things? Or is it the ultimate thing? So the question of how they earn back the trust is always about action. Action trumps every word that you can say. If they say, I'll never lie to you again, and they continue lying to you, then you know they're not trustworthy. If they say, I'll never lie to you again, and they're being honest from that point forward, they've learned the value of you. They understand the value of you. And so they're trying to maintain that trust because they're trying to be good to you and they're trying to do you right and do by you right. But if they keep going and going and going and going, I talked last episode about throwing away stuff from my ex. Apology card after apology card after apology card. I kept forgiving. I kept saying that violation wasn't a deal breaker. 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 How much you take is absolutely up to you. But trust in this case and forgiveness is all about self-respect. How much you trust someone is about you. How much you forgive someone is about you. When you trust and forgive, that's about how much self-respect you have for yourself. And so you have to weigh those two things. 
how much trust are you willing to have eroded from you before you have enough self-respect to say, I'm done with this? That's what it comes down to. If you have a headers hang up, feel free to submit it on any of my social media. Send an email to daveshead.podcast at gmail.com and I'll try to get it on an episode. Coming up next, we'll have our grin for this episode right after this. Hey, good people. You may have noticed some cool music playing for this show. That music was provided by DJ Ms. Deluxe. Deluxe represents as one of the top female DJs in Philly. Since 92, she's been spinning in clubs, on the radio, and touring around the country. And now is doing big things as a producer and local promoter under the main event Philly. Check her out on Instagram at DJ Ms. Deluxe. That's D-J-M-Z-D-E-L-U-X-X. And for promotions at the main event Philly. All one word. That's DJ Ms. Deluxe. Doing it since the golden era music. The 90s, as I like to call it. Thank you for your support and contribution to Dave's Head. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. My absolute favorite segment of Dave's Head is My Grin, which stands for a great reason to be in love with now. My Grin is typically a website, organization, or initiative that I find and I share with you as something positive and a great reason to be in love with now. However, this episode, My Grin is you. What do I mean? It's spring right now. We're getting into spring. It's almost spring. We're getting into spring and the beautification and cleanup initiatives are starting all around this country. Major cities are launching their cleanup initiatives. And so what I want you to do is go to your browser, go to your search engine of choice and look up three words, spring cleanup volunteer. If you do, I promise you will find many initiatives to clean up neighborhoods and cities near you take a chance take an opportunity to volunteer and get out there and clean up the neighborhood that you belong to or that's close to you it'll be a great reason to be in love with now because you'll have an impact on how people live multiple people some you'll see and some you will never know so again open your browser open your search engine and go search for spring cleanup volunteer I promise you, you'll find it's a great reason to be in love with now. Next, I want to talk about our monthly giveaway contest. This month, our contest is sponsored by Jay's Box of Sunshine. Now, I want to tell you, if you remember and if you're a header and you listen to season one, listen to season one of Dave's Head, you might remember Jay's Box of Sunshine as one of our grins during the first season. Well, we've come full circle now. And Jay's Box of Sunshine is now a sponsor for this month's giveaway. If you win, you'll receive a special t-shirt that has not been released yet. Candles, coffee mugs, and positive messages. And lastly, you'll receive other uplifting related items provided by Jay's Box of Sunshine. Very thankful for Jay's Box of Sunshine for sponsoring this month's giveaway contest. All you have to do is go to our website, 
daveshead.card.co with two R's in card and click the link for our giveaway. And it'll take you right there where you can enter literally every single day for free. There's no cost to you. Every single day you can submit entries. You get bonus entries for following us on Facebook or subscribing on YouTube or watching our latest video. You get so many opportunities to earn bonus entries. But you can't do that if you don't go to our website. Or if you want to go directly to the giveaway page, go to bit.ly forward slash dhp dash giveaway. So that's bit.ly forward slash the acronym for Dave's Head Podcast dash giveaway. And it'll take you right to the site. The easiest way is to go to our website, though. Again, it's free to enter and you can enter every single day until the contest is over. Good luck. Lastly, I want to thank Frank Perkins, real estate investor and licensed PA realtor of PD Properties and Mosiac Brokerage Group for his insightful advice, his passion for what he does, and frankly, for being a great brother, great man, great father, great husband, and just an overall great person. That's my dude. Thank you, Frank, for joining Dave's Head Podcast. If you want to reach out to him, Find him on Instagram at at FPTheRealtor as his handle. Again, that's at FPTheRealtor on Instagram. Look him up for investment property advice or if you're looking for investment property partnerships, if you're looking to buy or sell, look him up. He'll help you out. And I promise you, the thing we talked about, that smile, you will definitely have. So, spring cleanup, Jay's Box of Sunshine, and Frank Perkins, all great reasons to be in love with now. That's all for this episode of Dave's Head. Follow and feedback on our Dave's Head podcast Facebook page on Instagram and Twitter at Dave's Head Pod. Subscribe and give your sentiments at Dave's Head Podcast on YouTube and listen on your preferred podcast player at anchor.fm forward slash Dave's Head Pod. For more information on all things Dave's Head, check out our website at daveshead.card with two R's dot C-O. Episodes premiere on the second and fourth Fridays of the month. Thanks to all my headers for tuning in and remember, enjoy life because life should be fun. Take care.